Ashley Watkins Thomas is a resume writing and job search coach who partners with emerging leaders to arm them with job search strategies. Her passion is teaching clients to highlight their it factor, to position them for six-figure salaries with Fortune 500 brands. In today's show, she talks about the two-way street between recruiters and job seekers, how to make your social media profile stand out for your job search, how to get a second chance after a rejection, and mistakes different generations make in their careers. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Ramped Podcast. Today, we have a super special guest. It is Ashley Thomas. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, we have been admirers from afar for some time. I'm pumped to have you on the show. Before we jump in to our meaty discussion around the job search, careers, resumes, etc., we want to know who is Ashley Thomas? Well, I am a job search coach with Right Step Resumes. I work with emerging leaders, mainly mid-career um, to executive professionals who are seeking those higher paying positions. So they want those six-figure salaries at the, the Fortune 500 brands, your, your top-tier brands across the country. Really, really cool. Really, really cool. And we have checked out your website, your profile. You're huge on LinkedIn as well. So we are honored to be in your presence. I want to dive in to some really tactical discussions towards the middle of this session. But from the onset, right now is a crazy time in the job market, in the talent market. We're seeing so many things happen. We're seeing tons of layoffs. We're seeing tons of people out of work, which is really, really difficult. I'm curious to know your perspective on what it's like to be a job seeker today and potentially how that's changed over the last three years. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, being a job seeker right now is really, it could be a whirlwind because you get so many um, perspectives or advice from different places. So it's hard to digest it all and decide, okay, what works for me? So I think really where I am supportive of job seekers is right now, I'm, you know, I'm a recruiter uh, right now. So I do a lot of interviewing and I've worked with a lot of job search and hiring processes. But in my business um, side of things, I'm actually working to help job seekers understand how those processes work internally, because a lot of times the fear of the unknown really can cycle you into, you know, taking every bit of advice and doing everything and wasting time doing things that really don't matter or don't fit for your particular job search. Um, so it's really helping them and kind of understand how things work on the background, but then understand what they can do to take control of their own destiny and their job search so that they're not thinking that they're at the liberty of doing whatever the hiring teams want them to do and that they do have power in the job search, that it is a, a two-way um, exchange. Yeah, I love that. Two-way conversation, two-way street. You are also, as a job seeker, evaluating the company. And a lot of times when a job seeker gets into that zone of, oh, I'm just interviewing, I'm trying to find the next job, the next job, the next job to, to, to screen or interview, you kind of just are on autopilot and forget, hey, you know what? You have some, if not half, maybe more of the power as a job seeker. How do you help folks understand that they have that power when they're going into the job search? Well, really, I just explain my position as a recruiter. A lot of times, I, especially when I find somebody's nervous in an interview, I usually tell them like, hey, do we need to take a second? Because, you know, you're nervous. I get nervous during these opportunities as well, because I need you to say yes, just as much as you need me to make you an offer. So, you know, let's just 
cut the crap. Let's talk as real people. Let's get to know each other. You can ask me what you want to ask me. I'm not going to grill you. This is not a police interrogation. <laughs> this is just me trying to learn more about you so that you help me sell you to the to my hiring team. And so usually when I put it into that perspective, they're more likely to be like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I really can just, you know, relax because, it, you know, people, everyone gets nervous. And I tell them like, even as a recruiter, I'm nervous, especially when I've gone out and I've sourced this candidate and I'm trying to convince them that my company is the best company to come and work for. You know, I'm nervous when I'm having those conversations with them that maybe I'll say something that will change their mind, you know, for the negative. So there's pressure on both sides of it. And I think traditionally we have just known like the hiring managers make the decision. They have all the power there. You know, you have to be nice to recruiters. You have to get in nice with the recruiters because that's who makes the decisions. And that's not how it works. I've been recruiting for about 20 years now. I started recruiting fresh out of college and that aspect of it has not changed throughout my career. Job seekers still have the power that it seems like over the last maybe two to three years, they're just now realizing that they have that power. And I'm seeing that a lot more in conversations across um, platforms like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Job seekers are really taking control of their careers and I love that. Super cool, super cool. We've definitely seen a shift. We've definitely seen job seekers develop their own audience on platforms like LinkedIn and, and TikTok and Instagram as well. But there's new ways for job seekers to build up a presence, to show that they are you know, legit and really want the next step in their careers. I'm curious to know from your perspective, especially how we're living in you know, 2023, there's so many social aspects to the job search these days, way more than when I you know, was on my first job search in 2009. Yeah. What are some things you look for when you are evaluating a candidate in terms of their social presence, like LinkedIn or TikTok or anything else? I use this a lot when I coach my clients, because when as a, in my recruiting seat, when I'm searching for people, say they have not applied for my positions yet, and I'm really just doing keyword searches um, across the net to find those individuals, maybe I'm using any um, sourcing tools that we have available to us, bare bones profiles on LinkedIn. Those don't help at all. So even if you appear in my search because you have listed your skills on your profile, I want to get to your profile and learn more about you because I am trying to help my hiring team envision you as a member of the team, right? So if I don't know your story, if I don't know what you do in your everyday life, because you've only listed your dates, your position and the company that you work for, I have no job duties. Because remember, at this point, I don't have access to your resume yet. You just appeared in one of my searches. So it is not enough to have just the keywords filled out in your skill section. You need to tell that story and expand upon that information on your LinkedIn profile. So I want to know who do you work with? I want to know what have you achieved? I want to know what do you do in your day to day? Because I'm also looking to see that you're a match for the position that I want to contact you for. Because right now, if you're leading people, I may not reach out to you about an individual contributor role because that may not be a fit. But if I have a better understanding of where you see yourself, you know, moving forward, then even if it's not this opportunity, I may even engage with you for future opportunities because I'm having those succession planning and workforce planning conversations with, you know, with hiring teams. So when I'm coaching my clients, I'm telling them like, hey, th this is what I'm running into. And as a recruiter, this is what I would be looking for. So you may want to think about how this will impact you in your own job search. So these are some things that you can do to help you stand out. And then I even show them how we're searching, how recruiters are searching for candidates on LinkedIn so that they can see, do you come up in your own search? 
and you see how your profile is impacting, like are all of your coworkers coming up and you're not coming up and let's see what's different in those profiles. So it, it's really helpful to have that, that firsthand recruiting experience and being able to share that with my clients in order for them to move further in their own careers. Yeah, y'all actually just dropped some serious knowledge on us, especially on the profile creation, right? I think what I've heard mm -hmm. is, and if I could repeat some of that back, your profile is your story. That is what recruiters are looking at today. So when you think about developing this profile, make sure it tells the story the way you want it to be told, because it is one of the assets you are presenting to a recruiting team. So really appreciate that guidance. So next question for you specific to LinkedIn, because this has become one of the key resources folks can do to level up their profile. What is one hack or trick or recommendation you have specifically to the LinkedIn profile that can get folks from, let's say, just a generic profile out there to one that really pops and stands out? Right. Do you want better? I can give you a couple of things. And your LinkedIn headline, because that is your marketing statement. So when you think about your major brands that you go to, right, I'm like Geico comes to mind. You know, they say something about 15, say 15 percent or less um, on your car insurance. Right. That's what we know of Geico. So if you think of yourself as sort of a brand that you're looking to draw consumers to you, your headline is going to tell people what benefit there is to either hiring you, knowing you or connecting with you. So if you put something in the, you know, most people have the default where it's just their current job title at their current workplace. All right. Well, if you want to do something different, your headline is not helping me as the recruiter understand that when I'm looking at your profile. So if you update your headline to include keywords for maybe your top three competencies, where your your top three strengths, where you want to utilize in your next job, maybe there are some similar job titles that you're targeting, right? You So you can include your current job title. And then maybe two of your wish list job titles. So if you're a project manager and you want to get into accounting or you want to get into marketing, then you want to include those types of keywords in your headline. And then put a statement about, you know, again, what your value. So people looking at your profile know right away who you are, what you do and how you add value. And then you continue those same things throughout your profile. So you're using those same types of keywords in your about section. And then even with your job titles, job titles usually don't tell as much because one job title at one company may not mean the same thing at another company. It may not, you may not do the same type of, you know, projects that may, you know, focus on the same types of strengths. So if you are a project manager or an account manager, but your main focus is sales, leadership, and whatever, you can add those particular keywords after your job title. So, you know, so you may be a project manager slash account management slash sales slash marketing, whatever those competencies are, so that I can see that if, you know, if I'm looking for a project manager with healthcare and system implementation, you may not be the right project manager. So that way recruiters are not reaching out to you about opportunities that are a long shot that, you know, you're like, why are you reaching out to me about this? I have no desire to do this whatsoever. And, you know, it's because they're just doing a shot in the dark because you don't have enough yep. information there to, you know, to let us know something. So help us help you in those cases. So I would say those things, you know, aside from you wanting to be active and engaging on LinkedIn, those are the first things that I look at. What what does your headline say? What are your job titles? What have you been doing? You know, and how similar is that to what I'm looking for? So that's what I would say you can do right away. Really within five to 10 minutes, you can make those quick updates to your profile. And then in Super addition, cool. 
Yeah. And in addition to that, I mean, just your smaller things that you may want to do, you know, making sure you have a profile picture. Usually when I see a profile that doesn't have a profile picture or doesn't have information completed, you know, on it, I think it's either a bot or maybe somebody who has a duplicate profile that maybe they don't log into anymore because they forgot their password. Right. So I'm not going to waste an in-mail, you know, on reaching out to a profile that's sat stale or, you know, or dormant for however long, because I do look at your activity. I may not be reading whatever everything that you posted or said or whatever, but I want to see some recent activity because those things will alert me to let me know like, hey, this is an active profile and this person is likely to respond to me. Really, really good advice. Very tactical as well. And I'm curious to know a little bit more on LinkedIn. How do you evaluate or I guess what percent of your time are you spending evaluating folks on LinkedIn versus other sources like, you know, if it's TikTok or other maybe analog sources like a resume being sent to you? Yeah. So first and foremost, if a position is posted, I'm going to look internally first. So and by internally, that could be our internal employees or it could be in, you know, people who have previously applied who are already in our database. So they've already engaged with us because one, I know you're already interested in working for our company because you've already applied. Right. So I'm going to search there first. And then I, I check my short lists um, internally. If I know I'm watching for somebody who I've interviewed them for something, they weren't quite a fit, but I feel like they have a place somewhere with the organization. Then I'll tap into that market as well. And then simultaneously, I'm looking at LinkedIn. LinkedIn is where at least 99% of recruiters are going to go to find, you know, to find candidates. This is you know, before we even go to, you know, posting things on Indeed or posting on ZipRecruiter, you know, or whatever niche sites we're going to use um, for that particular job, you know, LinkedIn is just usually where all of the hiring managers and hiring teams and, you know, and candidates hang out. So why not check there first? So that's why I tell people, even if you're only, you know, you may take the easy way out and you're just copying and pasting your resume into LinkedIn, even by doing that, you are increasing your chances of getting found over someone who has way more experience than you. They've offered way more value than you, but their profile is bare bones. So I don't get to know about any of that. But because you've listed some things on your resume, I have more to work with and you're more likely to get that call. Sweet. I love it. I love it. To use a Gen Z term, LinkedIn is the plug these days. Everybody is on. Yeah. <laughs> everybody is on it. It is the source. So that is, that's something that we, we heavily rely on here at Ramped for obviously for outreach to job seekers, but at the same time, we want to make sure that people have an up-leveled LinkedIn profile. And Ashley just told us exactly how to do it. I have one more tactical question on something that has become a hot topic, especially with a lot of these auto, is like LinkedIn, mass apply, indeed one button apply things. When you get a rejection from an employer, is there anything that you can do to kind of win back the interview or show that, hey, look, you should take a second look at me. Yes. So a lot of times with the auto apply or easy apply with LinkedIn, you may not have an opportunity to update your LinkedIn profile every single time, right? So it may be a situation where you are um, applying to the, like you've had a career where you've done multiple things, right? So you haven't updated your LinkedIn profile when you do the easy apply, or maybe you've uploaded the wrong resume. So if it doesn't tell that accurate story, I do get candidates that'll reach out to me and say, hey, I got a rejection letter, but I do feel like I'm qualified for this position because I've done these things. And so depending on where I am in the hiring process, you know, I'll challenge that and, you know, and say, okay, well, 
what I received from you doesn't indicate these types of skills. Have you in fact done that? And then I provide the feedback to them that well, th this is something that you want to make sure that 100% of the time you are looking at the job postings, reading them thoroughly, and you're listing experience that is relevant to that particular position. It is not enough for you to assume that people are going to assume that you have this experience because we are not mind readers. So if it doesn't exist on your resume, it doesn't exist at all. You know, as far as we're concerned, I will give second shots again, depending on where we are in the process. Sometimes we've already moved all, you know, along so far that, you know, it's not going to help with this opportunity. I still provide the feedback either way, because I'm just that type of recruiter. I'm a, I've always been a job seeker advocate. So I'm going to answer the questions. I'm going to respond to the messages. I, you know, I do all of that. I don't like being left on red. So I try my best not to leave anybody else on red. But yes, reaching out, explaining clear as day the experience that you that they may have missed or overlooked could be a helpful way to, for you to for somebody to say, "Oh, well, I didn't see that or I didn't understand that from your resume." So, I would say, yeah, the worst they can say is no, right? Or nothing at all. Either way, you still go on to live another day. So you take the chance, reach out to the recruiter, whoever you got the rejection from to see whether or not you can add additional information. Just try it. Not saying that it'll work 100% of the time, but it's always worth a shot. Worth the shot, worth the chance. Obviously like low efforts, high reward. So yes. all of those things that you can just do to just give yourself a little bit of a better chance. Okay, cool. I want to go rapid fire with you on some of the hot button topics surrounding the job search these days. Obviously there's a lot of positive and a lot of negative things out there. Uh, sure. If you're cool with it, Ashley, I would love to jump in on just quick answers on what you feel or how you feel about certain topics with the job search. Yes. All right, let's do it. All right. So the first one is what is one thing, if you could wave a magic wand that you would eliminate from today's job search as it stands today? Oh, the lack of salaries on postings right away. Just be upfront. Tell me what you're paying. <laughs> Preaching to the choir. Love that one. Love that one. Okay. Next up, what is one thing that you see employers do that they absolutely should not do these days? Send candidates through 1,000 interviews. It does not take that much <laughs> to decide whether or not somebody is right for your job. It should be a quick screen with the recruiter, one interview with the hiring manager, another interview with the team that they'll be working with. Let's make a deal. Sweet. Love that. Yeah. Three interviews or less. Yeah, it's got to be shortened, right? You can learn so much about somebody online already and just have them. If you need if you need more conversations, just stack them in one of the stages of the interview. It's totally fine. But seven, 10 rounds, this is ridiculous. Right. And especially full day interviews and doing this over and over again, like people are taking off work. People have kids. People, you know, people don't want to want to be, you know, doing this stuff for free. You know, it's somebody's time. Be more respectful of the time. So um, that is one thing that I love about the hiring teams that I work with that, you know, we found ways to condense the interviews and still get the most out of it, still get the, you know, get them in front of the people that they need to be in front of without sending them through a whole journey <laughs> of interviews all at once. All right. We're going to go generational for this one. I'm going to quiz you on four different generations and what they can improve on on their job search. Let's start with the elder statesmen, the boomers. What can they do? What are you seeing them do that's a huge mistake when they apply for jobs? All right, boomers are focusing on experience from way, way back in the day. Keep it to 10 years, depending on how high of a level of the position you're applying to, you may even bump it up to 15. Get rid of the AOL email addresses and the internet service provider email addresses. Those are dead giveaways that you may not be tech savvy or that you're hanging on to something that's kind of outdated. 
really learn new technology. You know, make sure that you're putting that information on it because we're looking at it for, you know, for the youngsters too, right? We need the technology. We need them to be up to date. So those are the mistakes that I'm seeing them make. Their resumes are too, too long. They're going way too far back. And, it, you know, it just creates creates more issues than not. Love that answer. Love that answer. Yes. The, not to generalize too much, not to stereotype too much, but I do see when we speak with somebody who as in the baby boomer community, they mm -hmm. have pages and pages of the resume. They're always very impressive. However, like just give me the cliff notes, send it through the ATS and just play within the game that's being played today. Okay. Gen X, what are they doing that they absolutely should not be doing? Taking an easy way out. If it's a button to click, <laughs> they're going to click it to, you know, to get it done. Slow down a bit. Slow down. Make sure that you're presenting yourself, putting your best foot forward always, that you're taking the time to tailor those resumes to everything. That if you have to fill out an application, if it's a job that you really want, fill out the application. Um, I do agree that some applications are extremely long and then shame on you employers if you're making candidates fill out information that's already on their resume and you're not parsing information yet. I do understand that that is a frustration, but if you want to be taken seriously, you have to take the time, slow down and you know complete what you need to complete. But sometimes if you feel like it's taking you through too many hoops, you got to jump through too many hoops to get this job and you know, and you're bucking against that, it may not be the right opportunity for you. So keep it moving. It's perfectly okay. Everything won't be for you and you won't be for everybody. Stand on that internship experience, stand on it, you know, make it real experience. If you did a job, talk about the job that you did. Don't downplay anything that you did. That experience can help you get your next career. Really, really good. Really good advice. See that sometimes with Gen X as well. All right, bring it on. I'm a millennial, but what are we doing that we absolutely should not be doing these days? I think the biggest mistake that I see us making, sometimes we stick around a little longer than we should. Sometimes we do. We get to a point where we get fed up. And I think we, we you know, we do better than boomers, you know, on that with sticking around there. They're at places 10, 15, 20 years before they get fed up. You know, I feel like with us, we have to make a decision to when our time is up, just go, go to the next thing, grow, learn, get your experience. Don't fall into the fact that people think we want a quick fix. We want everything done, you know, that we're whiny and, you know, we just want things to be up to date in our way. And, you know, and all that we have to get out of that and, you know, shift more into the doing what is best for us that can make us the most money that can um, get us involved to get us to learn at all that we can learn. So really, I, I kind of want to say, keep doing what we're doing, but those are the biggest <laughs> things that I would, you know, kind of tell myself now, if I, you know, if I were to get back in the job search is kind of get out of there. If it's not working, just, just go like, just leave, just leave. <laughs> now we're, we're, we're perfect, right? We're perfect. The millennials are perfect. No. <laughs> we are very lucky. I, I do think about this a lot. We saw the world without like extreme tech and interconnectedness. We know what the old, like the old days kind of look like, and we know very yes, much what the new days look like without tech. And then we had to experience tech. You know, yeah. I, I grew up in the eighties, you know, so I feel like the late eighties, early nineties, that was the best time yep. to be alive. <laughs> for sure. For sure. For sure. hundred percent. I totally agree. I totally agree. Wouldn't trade our, my childhood, our childhood for anything. Um, yeah. Okay. Last one, Gen Z. What are they doing that they absolutely should not be doing these days? The transparency is great to me, but sometimes putting a lot of things online that really can come back to bite you. I think that is the most fearless generation that, you know, that I've experienced so far. But I think a lot of times that fearlessness could hurt certain types of opportunities. So watch what you're putting online because those things, things go viral. 
things go viral, people, you know, people find out about them and there may be something that you don't want to look back at in your career and, you know, and see, I don't know, you doing things that may not be so desirable, you know, for employers. But then at the same time, if your goal is to be an entrepreneur, you have to think about what your target audience wants to see from you as well. So again, these are things that I like too. So it's hard to find something, you know, something bad to say about it. But then also I would say, while it is so easy to make money online, really learn the skills too. Don't forget about the technical pieces of it. Don't forget about the background and the, the study and the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into it. Everybody won't be an instant success. So don't feel the urge that you have to be this TikTok sensation, that you have to be, you know, an Instagram model or whatever to, you know, to make it in a, you know, in a career. But, you know, use those things as a best fit your life and best fit where you're headed. So yeah, like I said, not really too much bad to say about really, uh, I love things about each generation. Yeah, of course. Of course, yeah. of course. Put you in a spot to make a decision on it and, and share. And I really appreciate you jumping out and, and sharing some things that everybody can improve upon. We're all about making sure the job search is super easy and impactful. And, uh, you know, I agree. I think you do see these differences across generations, especially today. And it's it's interesting to see how everybody can kind of coexist and, and work together coming from such diverse and interesting backgrounds and even just you know, the way that they grew up and the way that they were raised and the time and the technology that they're experiencing. Right. The bad rep that Gen Z gets a lot of times for being not wanting to work hard and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, that is not true. It, you can't get mad at somebody for finding a quicker way of doing something. It takes you two and three days to do and they're doing it in 10 minutes. So I think we have a lot to learn, you know, from Gen Z, but they also have a lot to learn too about, you know, just patience and timing and really the, you know, following the whole, you know, career path. Um, per se and understanding that things may take a little bit longer than than you would like. And it's not because they have to, it's just because people have to catch up with technology. We have to catch up with, you know, with, with certain times, be patient, it'll happen. But, you know, again, I'm a Gen Z advocate. I do not appreciate people saying, oh, nope, they're lazy. So we don't want to hire them. Nope, absolutely not. They're just going to find a way to work smarter, not harder. 100%. You are so right. They're the future, right? They are the the group that's going to bring us to the the next generation of workers as well so i think empowering gen z making sure that you hear folks from gen z can relate to gen z a lot of the folks we interact with at ramped are, are gen z too so huge huge fan of that generation they're so innovative they're so thoughtful they are helping push so many cool new frontiers that i didn't get to experience when i was starting my career too so super super excited to see where it goes yeah yeah, very innovative. I am at all a lot of times when I am around like my, you know, my family or even my, you know, some of my clients who are Gen Z and just the things that they're able to do technology wise. And I'm like, at that age, I wasn't doing that because we didn't have that available. And I think about how further along I could have been if it for one was accepted, um, but if it even existed, right? Um, because there are certain things that they're able to get away with. They can be far more creative when it comes to their hair, what they wear to work, where you know where they work, the types of companies that are available to them, especially now that everything is so remote. So that is something that is very admirable for me. I wish I had those same you know, experiences when I was fresh out of school. I mean, I wasn't into internships. I, I mean, I did everything the hard way. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> amazing, yeah. amazing. I did too, I did too. I feel like that's a millennial thing for sure. It's just like when I graduated, my parents were straight up just like, take any job, any job you can yes. get and work your butt yes. off, like no matter what. And you stay, I, you don't quit. You don't quit. Exa you exactly. 
you know, that's what they did, right? That's what they did. My parents or my mom has worked at the same company for 30, 40 years. Like, so it's, it's, it's just, it doesn't happen today. It's just, it's so different. But yeah, we're definitely a, a product of some of their parents. Ashley, this has been amazing. You've been so thoughtful and tactical and strategic with us. I really appreciate all of the guidance you've given our audience. They're going to eat this up. Before we go, I do have to ask you, if you could go back in time, now that you have the benefit of hindsight, what is the one thing that you would tell yourself as you are entering in your career? Negotiate every job offer that comes your way. Every single one regardless if you get what you want or not, negotiate. Um, because I think a lot of times, especially as women and women of color specifically, we don't negotiate because we think that it's going to make us look too aggressive or we're rocking the boat too much or, you know, or whatever. And that helps, you know, further the, you know, expand the the wage gap because we're not advocating for ourselves. So I love to see that now that, um, you know, that more people in general, regardless of who they are, what walks of life they're from, you know, that they are sticking up for themselves and they're speaking up and they're asking asking the right questions. They're booking against rules that don't make sense to them. And they're asking for what they feel like they're worth. And they're speaking up if they feel like, like, no, I, I can't take this. They're taking more control of their, their you know, financial position. And I would say that is something that I didn't do out of fear. And then sometimes out of not knowing. But through my work as a recruiter, I see, you know, other people negotiating and other people getting what they want. I'm like, I could do that. So then, you know, the next time when, you know, I'm faced with different opportunities, you know, I'm negotiating something, you know, if, if it's not money, it is time off. It is some sort of perk or benefit to me. And, you know, we were always taught, well, think about the employer. It's all, it's what the employer wants and whatever. No, it's what you want because you have to pay your bills. You have to be happy with yourself. You have to wake yourself up on Monday, <laughs> you know, to get ready to go back to work and do it over again. So that would be, you know, what I would say that I would do over. I would negotiate my salary and do what is always best for me. Regardless. Absolutely. Spoken like a pro's pro right there. Ashley, you're coaching our audience. I know you're a superstar coach as well. Where can folks find you? Oh, everywhere. Where can't they find me? So I'm always on LinkedIn. I'm there at Ashley J. Watkins. My name is Ashley Watkins Thomas on, on LinkedIn, but my handle is at Ashley J. Watkins. On Instagram and Facebook, I am at Right Step Resumes. That's W-R-T-E, like you write something down, Step <laughs> Resumes. And I am on Twitter at Right Step Resumes. There's just no E in Step. But you can find me just by putting in right step resumes because it's on the, the profile. But yes, you can find me everywhere. I'm giving tips. I do videos and everything really just to empower um, people and provide that clarity and confidence that they need to have better resumes, LinkedIn profiles, and interview experiences. This is amazing. Ashley obviously has been doing this for a while and her content is A++. So check her out on all of the socials. Ashley, thank you so much for your appearance on the RAM podcast. We definitely hope to be in touch with you and have you back someday. 